A little cold. Uh, I'm almost over it, but uh, it's good to be in church. Anyway, Romans chapter 8 tonight, if you've got your Bibles, Romans 8. You know, when you serve God, there should be a certain ease about it. And I'm not saying serving God's always easy, and it's not always uh, without his difficulty, and we understand we have an enemy, I know that, but there should be a certain flow, can you say amen? Uh, when you come to church, uh, when you're in ministry, living for God, there should be a certain ease in that, and uh, many times uh, through the years, I can look back on times anyway where serving God wasn't like that. It was like I was riding a bicycle against the wind. It was like every every you know pedal, every move, it was struggling, and but it's because of the way I was thinking on some things. So I want to hit that tonight. Maybe help some folks. God with us tonight. If you got your if you're taking notes tonight, God with us. Romans 8, 31. Let's go up and see what Paul says. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not, uh, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name tonight, I'm asking you. God, give us wisdom, direction tonight. Give us dominion in life. Help us to trust you. God, to believe you in all that we do. God, give us strength, I pray, for every battle tonight. Uh, God, give us victory in the house of God. We give all the praise and glory to you. God, people say amen. So I'll look at tonight the bigness of God. When you understand the bigness of God, it changes the way you think. When you understand the bigness of God, it changes the way you think. I mentioned earlier, uh, there's times in my Christian life where it's like riding against the wind on a bicycle. And, uh, and as I look back on them times, it's because the way I was thinking. I was thinking God wasn't going to help me. God wasn't going to move in that situation. God wasn't going to uh, come through and my mind began to get saturated and that kind of thing. And it's like every movement was shut. But when I begin to change my thinking, I mean, we understand the bigness of God, it, under, it changes how we believe, uh, and again, how we live for God. So when we understand that God is a big God tonight, we understand the bigness of God, uh, it changes us. It changes the way we think again, the way we believe, and the way we live our life. First Samuel 17. The Bible said David's going to fight Goliath, this Philistine giant, uh, who's nine feet tall and 420 pounds of pure muscle. Now, we may think, some of us guys think we're big and bad. That's big and bad. Nine feet tall, 420 pounds. Uh, he's, the, he's the rock before the rock was here. Amen. This is a skilled warrior, the Bible says. But in verse 40, David takes a staff, five smooth stones, and a sling, uh, and drew near to fight this guy. Now as you read that, sometimes we can read too fast. How many's ever done that? You read across something without really reading what it's saying. Uh, so it describes this big guy, this mountain of a man, uh, a skilled warrior. Then it says David uh, simply gets his slingshot, uh, goes and gets five stones, uh, and says, okay, I'll go fight him. Verse 45, let's see what David knew here. David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, spear, and shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled this day with the Lord. The Lord will deliver you into my hands. 
I will strike you, take off your head from you. I will give your carcass, uh, the host of the Philistine this day, to the fowls of the air, to wild beasts of the earth, and all that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. David is very confident here, uh, not because who he is, not because he's a skilled fighter. He's not a skilled fighter at this point. Uh, but David has confidence in God. He knows the bigness of God. He knows who God is. Uh, and in the midst of this, he said, listen, uh, I'm going to tell you what God's going to do for me. God's going to help me. Uh, not only God going to help me, I'm going to win. Uh, not just against you, but I'm going to get win against all the Philistines here. Uh, I'm going to feed you to the wild beasts of the earth. How do I have some confidence in God there? Because David hadn't won the fight yet. He just made him mad right now. He made Goliath mad at this point. Uh, uh, you know, so uh, we know the rest of the story, but the rest of the story wasn't written right there. Listen, there's no fear, no panic, no backup plan uh, in David's life. Or David simply has five stones. Uh, he has a sling uh, against his big enemy. But David knows something that we need to know tonight. Uh, and David knows the bigness of God. And you and I must know the bigness of God if we're going to uh, win our own battles, if we're going to get our own victories tonight. We have to know the bigness of God. So how did David learn the bigness of God? How many wants to learn that tonight? Amen. I'm tired of riding a bicycle against the wind. Amen. I want to see miracles. I want to see God help me. Uh, I want to see God help you tonight. So how do we learn this? So let's look at verse 34. It said, David said to Saul, your servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him, struck him, delivered him out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard struck him and killed him. The servants killed both the lion and the bear, and the uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he have defiled the armies of the living God. So trusting involves action in smaller areas. What gave David great confidence against, against Goliath, uh, against his big battle, is because in the smaller battles of life, amen, uh, David took action believing God, uh, uh, amen. He wasn't just sitting on the sidelines. He wasn't just waiting uh, to see what would happen. But the Bible tells us David in, it was engaged in the will of God. Uh, and as things happened, he simply just trusted God. Uh, and out of trusting God, he's seen miracles. Uh, the lion and the lamb, uh, uh, amen, or the, the, the lamb was uh, in the lion's mouth, in the, in the bear's mouth. He got them out somehow. Uh, God helped him. But you learn how to trust God, uh, when you learn how to trust God in smaller things, you can believe God in bigger things. And this is what David's learning here. David's learned how to believe God uh, just in the simple simple flow of life, uh, and now he can trust God for greater things. You know, we like David learn who God is, uh, uh, amen, it makes all the difference. You follow David's ministry from this point on. Uh, David was able to rally a bunch of uh, uh, guys, he turned into warriors. They became the, the mighty men of Israel that enlarged the kingdom of God. But all this was done in small elements first. So we like David, if we're going to see God move, we're going to have to learn how to trust God in our own little ways. James 1 says this in verse 2, My brother, encounter all joy when you fall into various trials. How many read that for said, come on? I mean, 
count it all joy when you fall in. Uh, he's not talking about stumbling up or falling in. Uh, when you fall, that's not a pleasant thing anyway, but when you fall into various trials, uh, count it all joy. Why did he say that? Because in times of trials, uh, uh, times of difficulties, we get the chance uh, to rise up in faith and find out who God is. It's whenever you and I face a trial, whenever you and I face a setback, a difficulty, we have the opportunity, uh, like David, uh, uh, amen, to trust God, the lion, uh, the, the bear coming in. Uh, uh, these are the same opportunities given to us in times of our trials. Uh, we can learn to trust God, and out of that trusting God in them, uh, it gives us some bigger faith. David went after the lion and the bear, and he got the victory. And now we all talk about it. Isn't it wonderful when you see people go through things and everybody's talking about it? I mean, you went through some stuff and you surprised yourself. You made it through, but then other people are saying, man, you see what they did? They believe God. And uh, I mean, it really does build some faith, right? What David's done here, amen, is still encouraging people today, but. Listen, I doubt it as easy as it sounds, uh, as easy as we read. I'm sure David just didn't, when he seen the, I mean, you're talking about grabbing a bear by the beard and a lion by the beard. Uh, it probably wasn't without any fear. It probably wasn't without any wonder, God help me here. Uh, but he did it, and because he did it, we're reading about it, and we're encouraged. And when you and I go through our trials, that's why James says, listen, count all joy, because something greater is happening in you uh, and I, man, when we're going through these trials and battles, we're trusting God, believing God, uh, staying faithful to God. Something's happening on the inside of us uh, that's priceless, amen, uh, that's going to help us not just today, but next week, next month, uh, next year, and maybe 10 or 20 years from now. Because David went through it. Uh, uh, it says this for David... Uh, <laughs> or text of God before us, who can be against us? Uh, I know David knew that before it was written. David learned that, let me say, before it was written, uh, but it is written to you and I. Uh, if God before us, who can be against us? And once we learn that, listen, once we learn that, that God is worthy to be trusted, that God can be trusted, uh, that we can uh, hope in God, that God has our future secure, uh, and once we learn that, listen, God... It opens up some things, doesn't it? Psalms 56. Out of these experiences, David said this, In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? God's faithful. Psalms 118, verse 5, David said, The Lord is by, on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Once you learn that, now, I said I've learned it completely, but I've, I've learned to believe God today a lot more than I did 20 years ago. Amen. Once you learn how to believe God, uh, uh, we're not so easily shaken. Amen. We're not so easily moved. And uh, when we've learned to trust God in these smaller areas, amen, we are able down the road uh, uh, to fight these bigger things. Amen. Believe God and see a victory and see or see victories. Matthew 14, disciples are in a life-threatening storm. Peter sees Jesus coming, uh, and Peter says, and we all quote today, uh, he sees Jesus walking on the water, he says, that's you, uh, bid me come. Now, there were some powerful words. 
We're not talking about some waves. We're talking about a storm uh, that they can feel, that they can see. There's lightning, there's wind, there's rain. Uh, and Peter said, uh, Lord, if that's you, uh, have me come. How many of that didn't happen overnight? Peter's learned to trust God in some other areas. Uh, and now he said he's in the midst of this storm, and his faith has uh, got some strength. God, if that's you. Uh, and listen, how many know God wants us all to get that point? Instead of panic, amen, we simply run to God. God, if that's you, I need your help. Uh, and God wants to give us miracles. So we need to learn the bigness of God. Let's look, secondly, learn the willingness of God. So once you know how big God is, and uh, amen, it's, it's interesting to follow up with how willing He is. Amen. Verse 32. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall we not freely give us all things? So I want to consider the willingness of God here. The willingness of God will change your faith in approaching God. When you understand God's willingness, it's one thing to, to understand how big God is, but when you understand God is willing to use that, and God's willing to help us, uh, it does make the difference. How many has been in tight, places before, uh, and you're trying to believe God with all your heart, uh, I'm going to believe God, I'm going to trust God, but you know God's willing, we know God's not just standing there, but God's willing to help us, uh, willing to get us through that, it really does help us, can you say amen? Paul says, he gave up his son to die for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I brought down five areas that God's willing to help us in. I want to hit these real quick. One, He's willing to meet our needs. This seems to be our biggest one, right? How many have ever had needs this week? Maybe today. Well, we're needy people sometimes. This is nothing new to God. 2 Kings 4. I just want to read this story here. It says, one of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditors have come to take my two sons to be a slave. <coughs> Excuse me. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in your house? She said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. They said, go around, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, not just a few. Then go in, shut the door behind you, yourself and your sons, and pour it into all the vessels. And when, uh, and when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him, shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, uh, uh, she poured and brought the vessels to her, uh, when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another, then the oil stopped flowing. She came to the man of God and said to him, uh, uh, go, she came to the man of God, the man of God said, uh, go sell uh, the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons will live on the rest. Now, I know it's a lot there, but what's happening here, this widow, her husband's died, he's a man of God, he served God, he served the ministry, he's done, uh, he's been a faithful man, she has an honest request, she has an honest need. Uh, listen, uh, all that my husband left is gone. It's used up. It's only thing I got now is a, a jar of oil. There's a great need here. That's a real need. It's not just a want. It's not just, hey, I, I need 10 more dollars. 
Well, I'd like to have another hundred. This is a real need, amen. Uh, and she brings this to God, but gives, this also gives us an understanding uh, of God's willingness here. And, you know, as I read, Elijah said, what do you have in your house? Uh, God uses what we have, amen. What we have may seem very small, may seem very insignificant, but God will use what we have. Uh, imagine, uh, in her mind, Elisha saying, listen, take that little jar of oil, borrow all the vessels you can, and from that little jar of oil, fill up all the... That doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense that one little jar of oil uh, can fill uh, all these vessels, maybe 100, 150 other vessels uh, uh, full and sell that enough to pay all your debt off, to free your sons. And, but God's into meeting needs. And when we understand the bigness of God, as I said earlier, we understand the willingness of God now. Uh, amen. She's, she's, uh, she sees the willingness of God. She engages in that. Uh, and we're reading about today the miracle of that. But I mean, oh, God's still doing the miracles today. This woman's desperate. Again, her husband's dead. Creditors are coming. Uh, but God had an answer. And let me tell you, God has an answer for your need. It's interesting what she is able to say, hey, we've been faithful, God. We've been faithful. And we can say that to God. It makes all the difference. I believe it. We can stand in our time and ease and say, God, we've been faithful. And God would say to you and I, as He said to her, take that little that you have, trust me with it, and we, you can get a miracle. You know, Matthew 15, the miracle of the loaves and fishes. Uh, I love reading that because that still blows me away today. I want to read a little bit of it. it said, I am, Jesus said, I'm unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Jesus said to His disciples, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven and a few fish. Uh, he gave thanks. Uh, he broke them, gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave them to the crowd, and they all ate and were satisfied. Most commentators said there were at least 20,000 people there that day. Think of God's willingness here. He said, I'm not willing to send them away. Man, if God would say that to a crowd, uh, how much more would He say that to His church? I'm not willing to send them away. God is always willing to meet our need. Uh, there's a willingness about the heart of God. Uh, uh, when there's a need in our life, when we present it to God, uh, here is able to multiply fish and loaves uh, uh, to meet a need. And I'm telling you, God still does this today. You know, sometimes I just write your need on a paper. Sometimes in the morning, I'll be at the altar, just I'll write needs. God, church needs, personal needs. Yeah, I'll write them down, and I just see what God to do with them. Secondly, God's always willing to heal. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Leprosy was the worst of the worst among disease back then. If you had leprosy in the Old, in the old or New Testament, you're, it's over. Uh, especially Old Testament. If you had leprosy in the Old Testament, they put you outside of town. You lived in a camp, you wore a bell. Uh, that bell rang, amen. You even got close to somebody. They knew what the sound of that bell was. Stay away. I mean, you were, you were totally disregarded. You were pushed aside. Uh, New Testament as well. But, so leprosy was the worst of the worst. Uh, but in Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, it says this, When he came down uh, from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you, are, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand 
touched him, saying, I am willing, be clean, and immediately his leprosy was clean. Jesus is willing to touch uh, and heal, uh, amen, even the impossible. Jesus shocked everybody that day. You don't touch a leper. Uh, one, you don't let him close to you. Two, you never touch him. But Jesus is always willing to do what man can't do. Man won't do, amen. Even in our lives, many times, uh, uh, medicine doesn't have the answer. Doctors don't have answers. Uh, uh, and we're, we're on the sick bed. But Jesus is always willing uh, uh, to heal. Again, as w- when you understand the bigness of God, uh, now you understand His willingness, uh, uh, amen, when you're sick, you're ill, and you begin to pray, God, uh, if, you, if you're willing, I know you can do this. That's what this man prayed. Uh, Jesus said, I am willing. Luke 6, man's in church with a withered hand. I mean, even church folks can get withered. Church folks have problems. He's in church. Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. He's a healer tonight. Sometimes we forget that, uh, but Jesus is a healer. He loves to heal people. Uh, Jesus loves to demonstrate who he is, uh, and he's always willing, can you say amen? Third, he's willing to help us in our labor tonight. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 5. How uh, I many know we're not on our own in our ministry? We're not on our own uh, in the church, it may feel like it sometimes, but he's always willing, uh, uh, especially when we're laboring, we're doing all we can, he's always willing to step in and help us. In Second Kings 6, uh, amen, they're all cutting down uh, timbers uh, back then. Uh, uh, you know, it's hard work, amen, building the church. They, uh, they all had to get, go get their axe, go to the, the forest, cut down a tree, carry that tree back on their shoulders, uh, and this is what the church men are doing. Uh, and it says this, And one of them was cutting down a tree. The iron axe head fell into the water, and it cried out, Oh, oh my master, it was borrowed. And the man of God asked, uh, Where did it fall? Then he showed him then the place. The man of God uh, cut a stick, threw it in there, uh, and made the iron float. And he said, Pick it up. So he reached out and took it. How many of God's willing to help us in our labors? Amen. Maybe you're a leader in ministry. You're in ministry. Uh, sometimes ministry can get heavy. Sometimes it can get difficult. But here, uh, uh, God is always willing to help in our labors. Luke chapter 5, we see it again. Uh, amen. Their disciples are there. How many, sometimes God just blows you away, doesn't He? Think the Simon, Peter, all of them, they're fishermen. It's what they do for a living. Uh, amen, this is what they're skilled in. They've, they've grown up in this as kids. They know everything about nets, everything about fishing spots. This is what they do. Uh, amen, but they go out, they're catching nothing. No doubt they have families to feed, needs to be met, uh, bills to pay, just like we do. Uh, uh, they're frustrated, nothing's working out. Uh, and Jesus said, just go out to over there, throw that net in, uh, and you know what? I'll help you. I'll help you in your labor. I'll help you get a catch. Uh, we know the story. They do that. Uh, the nets are breaking. The boats are being filled. Uh, but God does that. God helps us in our labor. Amen. Whether that be on your job or in your ministry, God helps us in our labor. He is willing to help us tonight. 
fourth area he's willing always to help us in is our calling. I learned, I learned this some years ago. I wish I'd learned it years before I learned it, but the uh, calling's not all on you. Many times we think, oh, this calling's all on us. It's, uh, it's not at all. Uh, amen. God, unless God build His church, the labor is labor in vain. Amen. God always willing to help us in our calling. Amen. We see this from Genesis chapter 26. He says this to Abraham, In blessing I will bless you. Multiply, I will multiply your seeds, the stars in heaven, uh, as the sand is on the seashore. Uh, Abraham is called into ministry. Uh, and no doubt, he's an older man. He has all these worries. What if... Uh, this doesn't work out. I'm leaving home. I'm leaving my father's house, leaving all the familiar. I'm 75 years old. What if this doesn't work? Well, he's not 20. He can't just start over. He's not 30. He doesn't have the strength. Uh, amen. Just to go plow another field. God, what if this doesn't work? Uh, and God said, In blessing, I'm going to bless you. Multiply, I'm going to multiply you. Uh, God said, I'm involved in this. Joshua chapter 1, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given to you. Joshua, uh, you're not in this alone. And I would say tonight, you're not in your ministry on your own. Amen. God helps us as a supernatural God. Uh, there's a grace of God. When we step into ministry, we say yes to the will of God. Uh, uh, and God, there's always a, a strength given to you and I to fulfill that ministry. Again, I said, I wish I'd learned that. When I first started preaching, it would save me a lot of frustration. Fifth thing, God's into blessing marriage. I don't know if God's willing to bless marriages. How many need a little blessing on their marriage? Genesis 30, verse 22. So God remembered Rachel and opened her womb and she conceived in there and, bore, and bore a son. Now, that was a lot of frustration around that whole story, if you know, if, if you know the story. But the, uh, the thing is, God's willing to step in this area called marriage, and God's willing to uh, push all the frustrations aside, give them the miracle. Uh, and they said, God remembered Rachel. Uh, uh, and if you know the story, uh, her husband Isaac's out praying for her as well. God help her. God touch her. Open her womb. Uh, and God, but God's always willing to step in your marriage. And me and my wife have learned one thing through the years. Uh, uh, amen. We need to bring God into our marriage. God help us. God help her. <laughs> God help her start thinking right. No, I'm just kidding. It's most time help me start thinking right. My wife's just looking at me, giving me that look, like, huh? Did you say that? Amen. Once you learn the bigness of God, you learn the willingness of God. Uh, amen. We see the love of God here. I'm trying to help some folks here tonight. So God's a big God, He's a willing God, and He's a loving God. Romans 8 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. That blows me away right there anyway. That God would allow Jesus Christ to go to the cross, deliver him up uh, for you and I. You know who you are. I know who I am. And God would allow that. Luke 22. 
The Bible says Jesus is in great agony, sweating great drops of blood. He prays to His Father, if you can take this cup from me. Talking about the cross, amen. Talking about the crucifixion, the beating, the betrayal, finally death on the cross. Think about this. Jesus is there. He's going through all, and He's looking into heaven. His Father, Father, if you can remove this cup. And this is a son talking to the Father. If you can remove this crucifixion, if you can remove the betrayal, the beating, uh, please remove it. But God was unwilling to do that. Uh, the reason God was unwilling to do that because His love for us. Think about that. Jesus, you're going to have to go through everything because I love my people. Because I have such a love for my creation. Uh, you're going to have to suffer and go through all this because uh, it's all connected. Uh, Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace. Uh, Jesus, or God knew uh, it was going to be through Jesus Christ, and Jesus knew it as well, uh, but it was only uh, through His blood that we're going to have redemption, and God loved you and I so much, uh, wanted to redeem us, not, uh, amen, not miss that. Uh, if we miss the redemption, we miss everything. And the love of God compelled Christ to go through everything, uh, compelled God to allow that because His love for you and I. John 3, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's a love we probably don't understand. But when you understand the bigness of God as much as we can, as I read the Bible, that's why it's critical to always read your Bible. Because you begin to understand how big God really is. My wife, we're coming home from the Midwest uh, a couple of days ago, and she's looking out the window, and she said, man, she said, look at all them lights down there. And, and, and as we're flying over, you know, there's towns and little cities, uh, and uh, as you're high in the air, you know, 20,000 feet up, they just saw clusters of lights and stuff, but... Each one of them lights represents someone. And my wife told me, she goes, man, just imagine how big God must be in his mind and his heart to know every life here, to know every person, every need, every trial, every difficulty, every struggle, uh, every victory we go through. Every one of them lights God knows. Uh, not only does he know the light, but he knows the story behind the light. How big God must be... Uh, uh, but how concerned that how God must be too, uh, and that's how big God is tonight. God knows you, Amen. He knows the light, knows everything behind it. Uh, there's a willingness of God to help him. There's a love of God that seals it. John fourteen one. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also me. My Father's house are many mansions. We're not so. I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself that you may be where I am also. One day it's heaven, folks. Think about how quick time goes by. Think about 10,000 years. 10,000 years ago, folks were alive just like we are. I mean, going through their life, whatever they did, however they lived life, uh, 10,000 years that quick. One day if God tarries, uh, folks are going to be saying that, our generation, 
But Jesus said, here, listen, uh, that's not the end. He said, listen, uh, I have a place for you in my Father's house. I, have a, I went ahead and I prepared. Uh, even to think about that, God has prepared a place for you to live uh, in heaven, to be in His presence with Him in heaven, uh, to enjoy eternity with Him. That, just, that ought to blow your mind away right there. So listen, God's big tonight. He's willing tonight. He loves you tonight. So in every trial, every struggle, as uh, James says, count it all joy. Uh, you can learn this about God. You can learn these things about God. God wants you to learn these things. Uh, God wants to help us. Can you say amen? The bigness of God, the willingness of God, the love of God, we need it tonight. Why don't we bow our heads? I can get every, every head bowed, every eye closed.